welcome to Pricking the Bubble. This is, uh, I don't know what podcast we're up to, but uh, season two and everything's all very exciting for us. So especially today as we have a special guest. And no, I'm not talking about our regular special guest, Dr. Brant Raven. Dr. Raven, how are you? I'm not so bad. Not so bad today, uh, Mike Malala. It's been another week, another another interesting week in, in isolation. Another week in uh, lockdown, is that the way it goes? Yeah. Mm. Joy of which not expound. <laughs> um, but yeah. no, look, it's it's very introspective when you isolate in such a way. But no, it's been a good week. I'm not going to Very good. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. And, uh, uh, and speaking of hearing things, Audio Pete, how are you today? I'm good, Mike DeLama. How are you? Uh, yep, I'm, I'm going all right. I'm uh, cosy in my little dressing gown. So, yes, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite comfy. There's an image that I won't be able to get out of my head. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> now, guys, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about um, having special guests on to uh, discuss things because, you know, quite frankly, we, we already know what the other one thinks about certain things. And it's time we all had our own bubbles pricked. So I, I would like the idea outright, by the way. But anyway, let's... Thank yep, you. Thank you. Just be quiet. So I would like to introduce <laughs> to you today... Our very first special guest, uh, he's known as the critical thinker at large, mm. Mr. Chris Shelton, all the way from Denver in Colorado. That's in the USA, in case you didn't know. <laughs> yes, we should have applause. I'll insert some applause. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I always bring my audience with me. No, no. That's okay. <laughs> I wasn't aware I was going to be your premier uh, special yes. guest. That's kind of awesome. Thank you yes, for giving yes, me that well, honor. For our uh, little uh, little neck of the world here, Chris. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. So, where? Anyway, what part um, of uh, Oz are you all located in, anyway? The bottom bit. Yeah. yeah. Bottom bit. Okay. <laughs> we are yes. located in what we would refer to as the best part. Yeah. Ah, we're, yes, we're in Melbourne, Melbourne. Melbourne down the bottom. So. Got it. Got Don't it. Don't get any. We, we no earthquakes. No tsunamis. No, no bushfires. Yeah, no, just, just lots of bushfires. But what <laughs> yeah, about what about the uh, what about walking into your bathroom one day and there's like this you know six foot spider in there just waiting to? Oh, I've actually made could say that. I will refer to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, 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 your has one your, your, stuck uh, on the roof. Mm-hmm. Showing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yes, have, we have those. I have been to Perth. Yeah, nice. via Sydney. Yeah, Good. I did a I did a trip a couple of years ago out there. Saw my son, and that was awesome. So, um, but I have not been to Melbourne. Uh, well, it, it's a nice place. Probably a little chilly at the moment, but uh, it's better than Sydney. Let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, it's, Melbourne is is absolutely one. Of, you know, probably the I, and I and I say it with no no humour. Easily the best place in Australia. Don't yeah, don't yeah. we keep winning awards like the most livable city and things like yeah, that? Yeah, it's usually good. between us and somewhere in like <laughs> Sweden or something. Mm. Oh, we are consistently in the top five. Mm. There you go. We've we've uh, yeah, trumpeted our own credentials. Right, yes, we've we? crowed enough. To <laughs> <laughs> go, we're in the top two. Well, top two. I, I'm impressed. I will say, I'm impressed. Given a choice, <laughs> I would definitely. Um, consider moving to australia it's just so damn expensive to to contemplate yes. that i can't really do it well yeah, next time well, you're here um you know you, you can come to melbourne and we can you know we can insult you personally yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh, we <laughs> haven't got to the insulting yet. can we get to that part yeah let's <laughs> no, fast well, forward all right hold him yet mike you haven't told him how this works yes well so the way this works is that we, we usually um and this is a good reminder for our listeners as well we usually pick a topic, and by we, I mean me. I pick a topic, and uh, we discuss it, and I don't tell the other two, um, and mm. we just kind of pick it to bits and um, see if it, you know. But, you know, t- topics that kind of make people feel a bit uncomfortable at times, so um, mm. that they don't normally think of the other sides. You know, we're all pretty set in our ways for, for a lot of things. So uh, one of the things that, that I think is good with your channel Mm-hmm. Critical thinker at large, everyone mm-hmm. go and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's my plug for the day. Um, is that it makes you think about stuff and it, it, you discuss things from a, a um, you know inform informative sort of way. And I, and, I, and I like that sort of stuff. So I sit down and I'll mm-hmm. listen to it while I'm meant to be working. And uh, yeah, it's on in the background. So 
That's why I thought you would be a good person. Plus your background. In fact, do you want to tell us a bit about your background? <laughs> yeah, um, my... just to get just to get people going. All right, here we go. So my big claim to fame is that <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> the thing that makes me worthy of being listened to is that All I right. was uh, involved with uh, the Church of Scientology for 27 years and uh, yeah. actually longer, but 27 years officially. And um, I actually grew up in it. I'm a second-generation Scientologist, and I got all the way in, deep in, and uh, mm-hmm. all the way to the level of what's called the C organization, and which is kind of like their core cult, Vatican, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and I was there for 17 of those years working for the C org. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I left the Sea Org in 2012, and I left Scientology officially in 2013, I was um, declared what they call a suppressive person, basically exiled or kicked out or excommunicated. Something and, we probably all are after this, but yeah, we're in with us. Yeah, talking to me alone will probably get you there. And, um, and I have been speaking out against Scientology and destructive cults in general, uh, since then, uh, the, the topic has broadened from Scientology to cults, destructive cults, to um, ideology, mind control, or thought reform, or undue influence, methods of propaganda, etc. It just kind of umbrellas into this the more I go down these rabbit holes. Mm. So I've gone down psychology, I've had sociologists on my channel, neurologists, so I, I love digging into... Why do people act the way they do? Why do they think the way they do? Believe what they do, mm-hmm. and um, and I've gone down a lot of a lot of holes looking into all these different nooks and crannies and stuff, and it's been just a really interesting trip for the last seven years. So that's been my that's my thing. Do you do you think or consider that to be kind of your therapy as well at the end of it? Absolutely. That was actually yeah. pretty, pretty uh, premeditatedly, I, I said on my YouTube channel, I put out an initial set of videos that were that were about Scientology. And I didn't talk about myself a lot at all. And mm. as time progressed, I started opening up more because initially, for me, I just wanted to expose Scientology for what it was. And I didn't want to do it by crying and sobbing on the internet. I wanted to do it by telling facts that would hold up. And mm. and put evergreen content out there, not just not just things that would tug on the heartstrings. As time went on, people got curious about me and my story. So, you know, I wrote a book uh, where I put my story in chapter one, just to sort of establish some credentials. But again, it's not a memoir; it's just a critical breakdown of the topic. <laughs> and yeah. um, but over the years, as I do Q and A shows every week, I mean, I've done a couple hundred of them. And podcasts every week, is, which cover all these different topics, plus all this content about Scientology uh, and other destructive cults as well, Christian cults, JWs, Mormons, you know, the whole lot. Um, a lot of my story and a lot of my life has now come out, you know, and I do a call-in show. We just started a couple of weeks ago with my wife. So, having a good time. Oh, yes, I caught that yesterday, in fact. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. I, we, we really, we're digging it. I'm really, I, I look, it's the thing I look forward to most now is doing that call-in show each week. So, that's, oh, that's there me. there you go. That, that's, that sounds, that's um, yeah, pretty full on. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty full on. It sounds like a lot of work, and it sounds like, uh, um, oh, look, I, 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 I hadn't come across your show at all. Chris, I, uh, um, Mike Lama had uh, introduced it to me, and, um, and uh, I, I listened to a couple of um, episodes, mm-hmm. and look, probably, probably not my cup of tea. I have to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it is my cup of tea. <laughs> okay. Mine too. I well, it's well, not, not going to be everybody's. You know. Hang on. Uh, are you yeah. not <laughs> as usually you do. <laughs> it's it's it, what I was going to say was it, it's not my cup of tea. I listen to. Um, the atheist experience, which you're you yes. might be familiar with. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Um, Matt, Matt Delahunty. I had yeah. Delahunty yeah. on my podcast. Yeah. Like, like that, oh, wow. I, like Matt yeah. Hunty, man. He's, uh, he's just so awesome. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like I should just, Chris, I should feel like I should say congratulations for some reason. Like, I just feel like uh, if you've extricated yourself from that environment, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like one of the most difficult things 
a person could do. Um, and I often I have the compulsion to say congratulations to people who've <laughs> recovered from that. Um, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but I always felt like I deserved some of some uh, congratulations for doing a similar thing. Not not with not the, to the extent that you've gone through, not to the personal risk that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if, for what it's worth, congratulations. Well, thank you very much, and it's completely appropriate. <laughs> it was a, it was something I did. I didn't have to have an intervention or have somebody come and talk me out of it. I, I did figure it out, but it um, obviously took me too long. You figured it out on your own. Is that is that what we're, we're what we're saying here? I got out on my own. I had a support system for sure, and my parents, who had also gotten out before I had, they weren't a not. They were not encouraging me to leave. because of your folks, so you would have gotten into it because that's what you were brought well, up. That's yeah. That's where I wanted to sort of. Start oh yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. The yeah. Getting out bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. The getting yep. in. Second generation. Yeah, my That's entire like, living memory like, has been Scientology. I don't feel like I. I don't feel like. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm troubled by the whole thing. I don't feel like I should be congratulating you for things that should have been obvious. And this, is, and this is where I wanted. This is where I wanted to have the discussion. I guess it's yeah. it's um, a lot of the stuff that I've looked at on on Chris's. Um, uh, YouTube channel uh, specifically ha- has gone into um, uh, talking about how people do sort of become part of this stuff and how it is. Uh, it's not just as Dr. Raven would like to think nutters or morons who go into these sorts of um, oh god, no. whether it's a cult yeah. or whether it's a a religion or even as Audio Pete, just a regular religion. Um, you know, are you able to expand on that a little bit, Chris? Just to, to absolutely, yeah. Yep, go for first, it. First gen versus second gen is a huge difference that is only recently, finally, being recognized in the psychological field as a thing. Um, people who walk in off the street and get duped into a personality test or a pretty girl gets a man and they sign up and start doing a communications class and then slowly get drawn in. That's one level of indoctrination. It doesn't work on everybody by a long shot. Mm. So most people who come into a Church of Scientology experience that little introductory line and go, eh, hmm, I don't think so. Thanks a lot for the test, and you know, thanks for selling me this Dianetics book, and out they go, and you never hear from them again. With second gens, you're raised in it. It's a whole different matter. You were never asked. You were never consulted. Nobody asked your opinion about any of it. Um, My upbringing from, like I said, my very earliest memories are that I was a spiritual entity called a Thetan. I had a reactive mind or what we used to call a bank, which had all the bad things that ever happened to me stored in it. And that was what caused me to be irrational, antagonistic, angry, etc. Um, L. Ron Hubbard was a genius, was, mm-hmm. was just right from the get-go, right? There were pictures of him everywhere. Um, I would be hanging out at the Church of Scientology after school, on the weekends, because my parents worked there. They weren't just Mm. casual Scientologists. And uh, this was all through the 70s, right? I was born in 69. So grow up in the 70s with this. My parents actually start working for the church all the way through the early 80s when there was a huge upheaval in the church. Uh, Too long of a story to tell here, just there was a lot of conflict. And my parents Mm -hmm. got off staff at that point, but were still believers, still moving on the Scientology levels of indoctrination, which they call the bridge to total freedom. Mm. So, and and, and Chris, uh, sorry, I, when when they were they were working there, they yeah. like that was that a full time job or they were they uh, part time? No, it was part time. They were getting paid. Um, they were out of actually in the seventies. Scientology was way more successful than it is now. And they were working at a lower level organization that wasn't all about the billion year contracts and all that other crazy <laughs> crap that you hear about. 70s Scientology was a kind of a different Scientology. And it was before, um, it was when L. Ron Hubbard was in decline and when David Miscavige was coming into power. So um, anyway, big transition periods in there. And at the lower levels, it was kind of a fun spiritual you know, experience. That's what my parents got involved with it 
for. I mean, my parents are not stupid people. My mom is a registered nurse. She was a pediatrics nurse. That's what that was what her main job was. My dad was a computer programmer, and um, oh, you know, I come out of the Navy. I'm freaking out. I really am. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this was this was my upbringing. That level of intellect and still fall for this. It's actually really frightening. Well, it, it, it is, but... Wonder, it makes me wonder, <laughs> with my own incredible level of intellect, what sort of... <laughs> well, here's no, the thing really. about that. It, it, the meme on it is this, okay? The, the short version is that the smarter you are, the actually in, it's, it's been posited by professionals that you have a greater chance of actually falling for this or once you get involved in it being able to rationalize why you need to stay in it um what's you know there what's the logic that if if i'm smarter i've got a greater chance how does that work well because you can rationalize you know you have a more creative imagination and more information and more ability to use that information to imagine or create Various no, levels of motivated no reasoning. <laughs> I'm sorry. No sense. How does it make, <laughs> makes no sense to you. <laughs> makes no sense in what way? No I mean, it makes no logical sense. That's for sure. You can make better arguments to yourself to stay in it. I think that that's what it comes down. To. That's You're what I'm trying to, to say. To yeah, the motivated reasoning is much more powerful. Yeah, you know, and you can I, compartmentalize. I don't know if you. One of one of the theories is that um, religious people are able to come. Well, everyone is able to compartmentalise their mind so that they can have rational, uh, logical thoughts in their workplace when they're doing their jobs and like nursing or computer programming. And then they have this other part of their brain that's completely emotional-driven uh, and where, the, where religion um, runs, runs right in their minds. Mm. So right. it's, um, And other deeply it, held beliefs. Yeah. yeah. You know? okay. I, I, I'm, I'm finding yeah. it. I'm finding it difficult to uh, to imagine and to and to reconcile. Can I can I, re- can I try and relate it to a uh, oh, something that, that I'll shut up. What that kind <laughs> of connects it to uh, what maybe Doctor Raven might understand. Here we go, the master apologist. Here as I, <laughs> as I've said, as I said to you, Chris, the three of us sort of met through a Star Wars club. Okay, and uh, at one point we were kind of up in the in a position where we were. Uh, part of the people or part of the group that was managing this club. And <laughs> as you've just said about your parents, there was conflict. There were things that happened. And so what we did was step away from the club, but it didn't stop us still enjoying Star Wars. It didn't stop, stop us me. from, from having, huh? No, Luke, Luke, George Lucas. Oh, keep going. Yeah, all right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, so it didn't, it didn't take it away. And, and what, so my wife and I were, were part of the committee for that, and we made a conscious decision to step away before the management, before the the people in charge and in control of it, ruined how we felt about Star Wars itself. So we were sure. able to separate the management or the over overseeing sort of thing from from the actual, you know, love of Star Wars itself. So is that kind of what you're saying with your with the way your parents stepped back? So they they stepped away from the management side of things and just was you know went on to casually enjoying it type thing. Well, exactly. And interestingly, though, um, the sort of sequence or or example that you give there is the usual way that most Scientologists these days and since pretty much the '80s have left mm-hmm. the Church of Scientology. Because they see something wrong with how the organization's being run, because it's being run by a psychopath, and yeah. they and this eventually filters down, right? I mean that does that stuff does roll downhill, and I worked on that hill for a long time, so I watched a lot mm. of it roll down, and experienced the blunt end of it many times. So that process even got down to the public level, you know, the people who are actually having real jobs and real lives, but are partaking in Scientology on a part-time basis, those public people would even experience the blunt end of that sometimes. And they would go, wow, that's not fun. That's not pleasant. I didn't enjoy that. And they'll leave Scientology officially as a Scientologist, but they'll still believe in the subject. I mean, my, my father was there for years. Um, where you, you, you see the organization's nuts, 
And you go, but the topic is so fascinating and it answers so many questions for me. It's done so much good for me. I can't just discount it. So they become what are called independent Scientologists. And there's little groups that are called the free zone of people Mm. outside the official church practicing Scientology techniques on each other. And but they're not they're not still doing the test and, and dishing the cash out, is that what you're saying? Well, they're paying for whatever they're doing with each other, but it's way right, cheaper okay. than what you than what the official <laughs> church is charging. And that's usually a transition zone for most people. Very few people stay there for for longer than a few months or a year. But there mm. are people, there are groups, they're around. There's a few I'd say maybe I'd conservatively, you know, if I'm really going high and overestimating, I'll say that there are 2,000 independent Scientologists in the whole world. Oh, wow. So it's a small group, right? And like I say, for most people, it's a transition on their way out because once they get out and they're able to start thinking critically about their former belief system and the extremist mindset they were in, then... They start looking on the internet. They're more open to receiving critical information about it, and then they dump the whole thing because they come to realize none of it's actually true. So that's the other thing I wanted Dr. Raven to also be aware of. It's like two parts to it. When you when you enter into these things, the way they don't say day one is not here. Here's Zenu right. and here's all this sort of stuff. They That's don't. Right. It doesn't work that way. Nope. It's the whole gently, gently, softly, softly, and you work your way into it. And as you would know with any of this sort of stuff, once you slowly introduce yourself into something, it's very hard to let it go. Um, it's much like the same way that people you don't you don't see a lot of people stopping being Muslim or stopping being Christian. It's not easy to leave these things, and especially if you're slowly introduced to it, or as Chris said before, if you are born into it. Mm-hmm. So. As much as you can say, as much as we often do mock religion <laughs> amongst <laughs> ourselves, we say that a fair bit, it's not quite as simple as saying, as, as when you're standing on the outside looking in and saying, well, how can you be so stupid? And that no one responds well to that. This podcast moving so slow. Why is this podcast moving so slow? <laughs> and you're just going on about things, you know. I mean, no, what? Because, <laughs> no, no. What I would say, what I would say is because. You are that person standing on the outside looking in. You and I are the exceptions in this. We haven't really ever been part of a religion. I know we both have families who are particular religion, but we've always been kind of resistant to it. And we've never, you know, I've never been part of the religion that my family was. So it's very hard for us. To, I don't think to look I was ever things. really resistant to, uh, to, to religion. I don't think I ever really was. Um, I accepted it. So I was brought up Roman Catholic and I accepted the, the teachings and so on and so forth. Um, um, I don't, I, I think there was Sunday school. Maybe I even went a couple of times being European. That's what you're brought up with, mm-hmm. you know, but as I, as you get older, as you experience more of the world, you begin to realize, well, you know, it's probably not all true. And then, you know, me being myself, I, I, pretty rational, pretty scientific mind, probably rational to a fault. Um, and you you just sort of, you you cast off those shackles and you realise, yeah, here we go. No, but, but <laughs> Christian religions are more open. They're not telling you not to go and look at something. They're not commanding you to do things. As Hang you on, said, it, no, it, hold no, on, it, it might be a, hold on, hold on. It's on, not it like Scientology, for example. Stop talking or I won't be able to record it. It's not like Scientology where you are not allowed to look things up about it. It's not like Islam where you are uh, in a, put in a position where you're, again, like Scientology, you're going to be, uh, put upon if you are trying to say things against your religion. So well, you might even you might even be killed depending on where you are. Well, exactly. Mm. You know that's that's so, no well, joke that's a, with what uh, cost? Can I ask Chris? Yeah. What um costs? What costs did you have to pay in extricating yourself from it? Were because that was that seems to be the difference between a religion and a cult to me. It's not just the size. But what they do to you if you decide to leave, if you have, if you leave. Yeah, the um, destructive cults, and that is what Scientology is, uh, have very definite characteristics and um, pretty easy to differentiate from a, 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 you know, just a belief system group. 
So with Scientology, um, you're not allowed to be critical of the organization in any way. Um, if you are, then that's turned back on you, right? What did you do that you're being so critical, right? Critical is a pretty mm-hmm. bad word in Scientology. It's made that way on purpose. I'm positive. Um, mm-hmm. So when I left the, left the Sea Org, when I stopped working for the church, I ended up out in Minnesota, and I was with this woman who was a staff member at the local church there, and um, I was having a relationship with, started a relationship with her, and her whole family were Scientologists. They were big supporters of that local church. I knew everybody there because I had been there as a Sea Org member. And uh, so now I'm a public person, and I have open access to anything I want, right? It's, there's nothing stopping me. And I'm being treated like a second-class citizen because I left the Sea Org, so I betrayed the group to that degree. The Sea Org was treating me pretty bad, and they're the senior organization in Scientology. So they get to order these local churches around, and so they said I couldn't go into the local church, and I was sort of persona non grata, but I wasn't officially declared bad guy or suppressive person, but I was still not allowed in, and this was a big confusion, right? Everybody was like, what the hell's going on? Because people liked me, and they wanted me around, and I couldn't be around, and anyway, it was just weird because it's authoritarian and it's destructive. And that's what got me going. There's something goofy going on here. And I, st- and I got on the Internet and started looking. As a result of that, three months later, I knew everything, had completely given up the idea that I was ever going to want to do Scientology again, yet I was madly <laughs> in love with this woman. And she was a staff member at the church, and I could not tell her a word of this because if she knew what I'd been looking at, right, and I, mm. I didn't have anybody to talk to except my mom, actually, and my, my parents. So, um, anyway, bottom line is I didn't end up keeping my mouth shut because I have a very big mouth, and I always have. <laughs> and um, I ended up, by the end of the year, being declared a suppressive person. And as a result of that, you know, I had asked this woman to marry me. Well, she disconnected from me. The whole family did. Gosh. Every Gosh. single person I knew... For all those years, we're Scientologists. So guess how many mm. friends I had after I was declared, right? Mm. Uh, about yeah. two, the people that I'd met at the uh, local skeptics group that I had joined. Yeah, so right. <laughs> so yeah. that was it. Yeah. That was, I, it was the big reset button again, you know, and, um, and I lost everything. I lost, yeah, like, overnight. Tough. You know, very, very, yeah. yeah. I think that keeps a lot of people in cults. I've heard the similar oh, yeah. stories, like especially with JWs, they they yep. pay a high social cost for, for leaving, like their families shun them and that sort of thing. Mm. So, yeah, it seems it seems like it's a powerful tool that these cults wield very much so, um, to keep you in. Yeah, there's a lot of emotional blackmail that goes on in these groups. Yeah, there's a lot of emotional blackmail that goes on in every um, in, in every sort of destructive relationship, including parents. You know, parents can emotionally blackmail their kids. Well, I'm glad you that. mentioned that actually, because um, my summary definition of the situation of what a destructive cult situation is is actually the same as a narcissistic, you know, malignant narcissistic relationship, which is it's an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. Whether the leader is one on is whether it's a one to one relationship or it's a one to one million, the dynamics between what the leader is doing to the followers and the codependency that's generated between them, it's the same dynamics. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting as well. Just thinking about that dynamic as well, because it's what you see not just in places like North Korea, but we're also mm-hmm. seeing it in America now the, the, yeah. with the, the Trump followers and all those sorts of people. I mean, it, I don't know which way you vote one way or the other. It's probably irrelevant, but it, it's, it's um, I talk to a lot of people on Twitter, but sometimes I talk at them as well. And it's, it's kind of uh, disturbing to see the uh, non-wavering position of a lot of these people. You know, Trump could, cough and everyone would tell you how awesome it, it is if they're in that cult of trump it's it, it, it you, you kind of forget sometimes that it's not just these side cults like scientology or uh jehovah's witnesses it's also can be more mainstream like politics that's and, right and even just ruling a country and it's pretty disturbing very very much so people um equate 
you know, cults with religion, um, which is actually the fundamentalist fault because they're the ones who repopularized the word that way back in the 20s, mm-hmm. by the way. But uh, anyway, um, you don't have to have religion connected with the group in any way in order for it to meet all the characteristics of a destructive cult. The, the specifics of the belief system have nothing to do with why a group is a destructive cult. Mm-hmm. You, I've said uh, martial arts <laughs> dojos, uh, sports clubs, Boy Scout mm, troops. Yeah. All of these groups can be run by those dynamics I referenced a minute ago. And if they are very familiar, you know, yeah, it's very, very hard to relate to any of this. I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I find it very, very hard to not challenge the, the intellect of a person when I hear stuff like this. I really, really do. And, and I know that people are intelligent. I, I know that there are intelligent people. And I also know that intelligent people fall for these things but it's just difficult. I, I, I just well, let me, let me introduce this idea to you then, uh, because okay. this, is, this is something I've sort of been formulating to sort of try to explain that exact phenomena. An extremist mindset develops slowly, right, gradually. There's no, there's no click of the button or turn of the switch or something like that. You, you have to indoctrinate a person. You have to propagandize them. Um, as you do that, sort of as you turn that dial... What you're also doing, if you do it right, is you're also turning down their critical thinking dial on that subject. That Mm -hmm. as you become more and more extremist or radicalized, because this is the end of the spectrum we're talking about with these kind of groups, you have disabled a person's ability to critically think on that topic. They are incapable of receiving critical information. It must be bounced back. They have built what I call a thought fortress. And you can batter those walls down with as many facts as you want, and the walls aren't going down. Yeah, but, but Chris, that's not explaining a single thing. That's, that, that, doesn't, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't tell me how I go from the point at which I'm a critical thinker to the point at which I'm not a critical thinker, right? And, and that's what I'm saying. May, may, I, like I said, maybe I'm just a critical thinker all the time to a fault. Maybe that's what I do. Um, do you, know, you ever make allowances for your loved ones that you wouldn't make for your for people you don't know? Well, what sort of allowances? Like, give me an example. Do you ever come up with excuses for their bad behavior without confronting them directly on it as you might with somebody you don't know? Not really? No, not really. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I, audio I piece. Yeah, I, I think that without being aware. The only thing I can say is, you know, um, ha- have, I, have I made irrational decisions in, in my life? Yes, I do them all the time. I do make irrational decisions, but I'm very aware when I'm making irrational decisions. Um, things like, you know, getting, getting married is, if you think about it um, critically, can be very much an irrational decision. It can, be, it can be a very rational decision if you start looking at it from an evolutionary perspective um, and, and certainly from a biological perspective, but in a lot of ways, it can be irrational. Having kids can be an irrational decision, um, and, and, and I've got a child, and, and I, wouldn't, I would never have, you know, now that I've got a child, I would never make a decision to not have a child. Um, so, uh, but, but if you think about that critically, that can be irrational. So, yeah, the, the, you can have a very, very critical mind um, and still make a number of irrational decisions. I think well, it's an illusion that, or... to think that humans are, are rational at, at their heart. I think we're dominated by our emotions and we, we've just managed to scramble to be a bit, irrash, bit rational about a yeah, few things. You're on the, you're on the right <laughs> track there. Let me, let me also just respond, please, by also saying that any decision, any action has no inherent rational or irrational value to it. It's the context that gives it that. Any decision or action could be rational or irrational depending on the context. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, and the same applies to such things as morality. Um, you know, it's, it's all very contextual. 
That's right. Um, and it's all relative. But but again, once you've decided the uh, but, but all you're really saying there is um, if I can borrow the example from Matt Delahunty, um, all you're really saying is that once the you know that that the rules of chess are arbitrary, but once you've decided the rules, you are working within the framework of those rules. Correct. So exactly. all we're really saying is that a decision that is either that 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 can be thought of as either being moral or 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 rational is uh, dependent on the framework in which it sits, exactly. and, and that's completely true. But it doesn't tell us anything about why. It doesn't tell us why, when the framework has been decided, anyone would make vastly irrational decisions. And and I, I would also say yeah. rational decisions um, are like systems of belief. You know, um, there, there there are things that I can believe uh, that 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 are that are fairly benign, and then there are things that are fairly very very much destructive. And the same as decision making. So I so. so I can make a decision which is entirely irrational, um, and it may it may affect me in a in a very minor way. But then I can make an, a vastly irrational decision that could, could you know in your case waste seventeen years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it, and you would not be saying? aware and at you, the time that you're making that decision that, that it's irrational. I was going to say you're a little bit different because. The, you, you you were brought up with it, so you probably didn't have the power of making a decision. Well, that was kind um, of my when, point, when brought, right? Yeah. Now, that's kind of the thing I'm trying to say when I'm talking about a reduction of critical thinking. If you're incapable of critical thought on a topic, that becomes unquestioning. That becomes loyalty. That becomes um, fervor. It becomes love. That's That's mm. what we experience these things as. So... That's unquestioning. And if you haven't experienced that, well, I'm, I'm really not sure what to say. Certainly you've seen others experience that, so you agree it happens. Why it happens? Well, I think it has to do with all kinds of factors. It's not a single thing. It's, there's group dynamics at play. There's peer pressure, for example, in-group, out-group pressures, um, conformity. You know, Studies tell you a lot about this kind of stuff. So, you know, there's that whole factor. Then there's the person's background, culture, language, et cetera, et cetera. So all these play a part. You're saying, in in a lot of ways, what you're saying is when you're in case of of critical thinking, you are making a representation of a child. A child is not necessarily capable of critical thinking, which is why, um, in a lot of ways, you must indoctrinate a child uh, at a younger age. And indoctrination of children can be a good thing. You you know you can indoctrinate them with good things mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily have to explain it to them. That's but that's teaching, why you, isn't it? I, I said that exact Sorry? thing two weeks ago on my Q and A show. There you go about and, indoctrination and, 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 and learning. You, you said that, and you didn't even need me. To <laughs> I just want you to know we're on the same page on that, right? Yeah, and again, indoctrination, like anything else, context matters. So I, what I am saying, though, and you'll, you might find this interesting, is that psychologists have shown that the maturity level or stages of development of somebody will actually halt when they go into one of these groups or cults. And, mm. um, and I experienced that myself in a very interesting way. But Someone needs to when, study on that. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Oh, I want to hear it. So um, it, you, you, you say it's kind of like a child. Well, actually, when you consult the level of understanding versus belief that these people have at that end of the spectrum, and having lived there, I get to say, yeah, I, you know, I experienced this. It's a childlike belief. You know, it's total. Mm. It's a complete belief. There isn't room for doubt. I find it really irritating that someone in psychology had to do a study on that. It's obvious. <laughs> it's so obvious. I mean, yeah, no one but need to study that. It's just because just because something's obvious to you doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's necessarily universal. And come uh, on, how can you possibly? How can you? How can that not be universal? Walk into a cult, you're not going to grow. Come on. That's so obvious. I yeah, but hold know. on. But you're but you're also making the assumption that, that people think. Funded, you know, seriously. Anyway, all right. You're whatever. making the assumption that people walk into the cult with that skeptical mind. And what happens? What what I assume happens 
is that something is either not from people who are born into it, like um, Chris has said, but people who are looking for something. They're, they're missing something in their lives. They're searching for something. There's a gap. It's it's much like people who who go to any religion or any join a club. They're missing something in their life, and so they go to it. So they're automatically going to be in a mindset that's more open to to receive. That's how I would assume. Anyway. Well, that- get this. Uh, when I was in, let's see, where did I get this number? Early two thousands, seventy five percent, eighty percent of all Scientologists became Scientologists because a friend or family member brought them in. Mm-hmm. Your guard's mm-hmm. already down. Yeah. And yeah. there's a social pressure. And, 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 I relate to any of this. I predict, Doctor, I predict in 10 years we're going to be trying to do an intervention on you to get you out of some... I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dude. There, I cannot even begin to tell you how many people we got in who were totally just like you. I mean, I guess it's actually funny to me. And I don't say that in some insulting way. No, no it's don't just, tell me that. Don't tell me that. It's funny, man. I don't, it's funny. I don't believe you. I, they, well, I I, I'm not believe, lying. That I, I can't. I do not. For a second, believe oh, you. Oh and God, you don't man! Want to and, and when I say yeah. that, when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it because I think you're trying to be snarky or deceptive. Yeah, I'm not. Um, don't, I don't think you are. Um, I, I don't believe you mainly because a, well, you, you don't know me very well, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and 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 secondly, um, I don't believe they could have been anything like me. Um. So no, I, I don't believe you. I don't right. believe that anyone. It would be like saying it would be like saying that uh, you know you could suck in someone like Richard Dawkins. I mean, I, it just doesn't make makes no sense to me. Uh, no, I, get I, it. I, I think you have I to be inoculated. See, Chris, Chris, and myself, we've been through it and we've sort of inoculated to it now because we can recognise it the symptoms a lot quicker and yeah. Uh, but even then, who, but yeah. even then. Now let's be let's be really honest here. Let's be brutally honest, right? I mean, biases aside and our own self prejudice, ego, whatever you want to call it, aside, mm. there is no human being that cannot be fooled or deceived or lied to. And if you can mm. be deceived or fooled or lied to, you can be put under undue influence and you can be thought reformed. And it's just that simple. And maybe the path for you is radically different than the path for other people, but that path is still, it still exists. And it's going to be out of your sight because that's the nature of that path. You're not going to I'm see it coming. Say, I'm never going to say that I'm smart enough to never be fooled. Yeah. I'm, that, I've never, ever said that, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the minute that that happens, bang, you're going to be fooled. In fact, <laughs> Correct. in itself, you're fooling yourself yep. by making statements, right? Aren't you just um, making Chris's point there? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying that. But I, I guess... I, I, okay, so here's here's my dilemma, and I guess this is where I've got the issue, and, yep. and it's a point that you guys raised before. Um, when they when someone's trying to suck you in, they're not trying to suck you in by telling you the 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 full story right at the start. They're sucking yeah, yeah. you in slowly, right? Yep. Yep. And so you will not. Ex- it's 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 the boiling of the frog, right? Yep. You, you know, I'm turning up the heat very gently. Yep. Um, and I guess that's where. Um, if, if I reflect on that, that's where I might agree and say, yes, if someone's turning up that heat gently, I may not pick up on that. You, you, yep. you, you're absolutely right. Yep. Um, and you know, have I, uh, have I been sucked into things by a pretty girl in the past? You betcha. Right. <laughs> absolutely. It's, it, that path is the same <laughs> path a into a cult. Sorry? That path, the pretty girl leading you down the primrose path, right? That path is the same path into a cult as far as what's going on in your brain. Yeah. Well, okay. In in that in that case, I may have to concede the point. Um, <laughs> Dr. Raven, you need to also remember that all these things that we're looking at, you already know about them. You already yes. are aware of the full extent of all That's these right. different things that we're talking about. So it's easy to well, say, well, I'd never get sucked into that. I'm working with hindsight. Yeah, look, yeah. it's a good point. Um, I will concede the point. I, awesome. I, I could probably be easily sucked in by a pretty girl. Um, 
and and you're right i'm working with hindsight so it's very very uh it's a very very false situation um well i will take a victory lap on on convincing you (laughs) (laughs) we're all high-fiving you now no real real victory because i've never really thought of myself as so smart that i can't fault cool i've never you know i'm i'm very aware of my own intellect and i know (coughs) that it's quite high um but i uh i I would it's it's high to a point that i know that i can still be full cool um it just depends on it depends on the situation it really does i suppose if i'm if I'm in a situation, for example, where someone has died and I'm uh, an emotional wreck, I'm more likely to be full. Um, yeah, well, exactly. And that that the case, you know. And that's when a lot of these groups hit up people is when they have yeah. recent is that when they have experienced recent trauma, emotional, yeah. physical. That's what I said. There's something missing. So, something missing in their life, so they're looking that, for looking for an answer. Correct. It is astoundingly disgusting. I I I, I have absolutely no words. I. Uh, well, it's disgusting. It's, it's disgusting when you accept that things like Scientology or whatever it is are being run by a group of people who have their own interests at heart. It's different. As much as I'm no fan of religion, I guess it's different when some of those people at a lower levels are actually interested in you and helping you out. And so, I would say there is a difference, at least at that at that point and, of things. Well, also to muddy the waters, then. The, Excellent. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the uh, the entirety of Scientology are true believers, except mm. for the guy at the very, very top. Mm. That was L. Ron Hubbard. Well, he died in '86, and David Miscavige was his successor, and he has ruled Scientology with an iron fist, and I mean literally. Uh, since then, um, mm. he knows it's bullshit. The way that he acts, there's no way it could be otherwise. But he has everybody under his spell, and he's taken years and years to make it happen, the same way Hubbard I, used to. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I find it so hard to relate. I really have to be honest. As much as I, I, I get it all, and I, and I know I get it, I, it's just so hard for me to relate. I, sure. You know, I, it is hard. My, 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 I can never, I, I could never allow my my happiness and understanding of things to be controlled by another. I just cannot. The only time I would probably allow How's your that wife is, going there, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't, but she doesn't control my happiness. She doesn't. You know, no, it might be the other way around. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. anyways, uh, in, in, they, they may define it in many ways, but they don't control it. There's a very, very big difference. Of course there is. And I, and I was going to say, before you rudely interrupted us. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to say, uh, the only time I would probably allow that to happen would be um, if, if my, my life or the life of a loved one was put in, in danger. Um, if, if I had to, if I had to espouse a belief or that I didn't believe in or say something I didn't believe in, it would be the only time it would probably happen. Um, isn't that, isn't that the old saying we, we've established what you are now. We're just haggling over the price. Well, (laughs) we'll see the thing that's, you're not a psychopath either or a malignant narcissist i mean i guess i'm making a couple assumptions there but you know i'll, <laughs> yes, I'll just assume <laughs> in the company here that you know you're neither of those I'm things not, I'm, not a, I'm not a psychopath no and definitely not i'm not right a, not a, so I, I have no touch pathology um it's been my experience yeah, that it's kind of hard a, for people to get into that in it's kind of um, hard to get into that headspace hmm. you yeah, know look, like I said, I find it very, very hard to relate, and the, prim- the primary reason I do is because I just can't. I just can't see a situation where anyone would allow, um, where anyone would allow uh, them, anyone else to control them. And from the other, from the other aspect of that, as 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 an individual, I have, I also have no interest in controlling other people. I've got no interest in controlling someone else. Right, um, but that's because you're not I indoctrinated have, into why control is such a vital, probably important need, part of life. You probably need a, a level of charisma for that as well. <laughs> well, a little bit, but you actually be surprised. Oh, okay. so, now, so, now the, so now you're doing an ad hominem attack. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, mean I, I have an interest. I have an interest in 
people becoming more scientific and more uh, scientifically minded. That is of mm. an interest to me. Sure. And I love the idea of, of, of people becoming more critical. Uh-huh. I absolutely love that. And I'm constantly, even at work, I know, and this is something I've said in the past, I need to stop doing this at work. It's not a good thing. Um, I argue with people about religion. You know, we've got mixed religions at work from, you know, uh, Islamic religions to Christians to Hindus. You work with a whole bunch of different people, but they're all fools. All of them are freaking fools. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, um, what, the question I'd like to ask Chris is what, and that's a question I always ask is, why do you think it is that some people are able to mature and look at their beliefs and realise that they're not true? And why is it that others, right alongside them, just seem to get deeper and deeper into those beliefs and never seem to take those steps? Like, um, is there is there something in people, in certain people, that will will eventually lead to them recovering from beliefs? Uh, that's the question I'm always asking. Sure. Why is like my brother? My brother is still a firm believer, and I am not. And we both have the same upbringing, same influences, and that sort of thing. I just wonder. Why well, that's true. That occurs. But you yeah. have different brains. And yeah. <laughs> you have had different experiences even within those model, you know, situations or, you know, home upbringing, whatever. Um, different educational experiences, different, you know, basic childhood differences. Because you're, are you not, are you twins? No, no, he's five years older. Yeah, well, five, five years. So there's going to be big differences. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all the things well, that make you you're different. Saying that your bro couldn't break out of it. Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he's he's as entrenched in it as I am out of it. <laughs> See, so you both have a high certainty level, right? Christianity, mm. or yeah. Although I think you know, I've gone through that change of looking at what I believe and thinking slowly, step by step, stepping out of it and thinking, well, that's not right. That's not right. And this yeah. this isn't right. So that's not right. Yeah. And, and going through that where he has never – if he has asked questions, every step is, well, that's right and I'm right and that's right and and, well, and what, it's just led the other way. <laughs> what do you remember? I, I have a question. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, this, this topic is a very uncomfortable topic for me because, oh. um, again, I, I always approach things with a rational mind. But I, I did want to say a couple of things before we finish because – uh, oh, I had I had some extra questions, but go on. Yes, Mike's armor. Uh, I think we're, we're we're a bit over time, but it's yeah, we're, we're we're going long. Yeah. Um. Um. But look, I one example of me um, having to bow my head to this sort of irrational stuff is with my is with my child. You know, I sent her to um, a a uh, a Christian school, um, basically because it was the best school in the area, um, mm-hmm. and. And, and I had to prioritize her education above my um, above my belief and 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 the deprogramming that I would have to do at a later date. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and 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 we deprogram every day. Um, I deprogram every day. Mm-hmm. You know? And and the constant thing around our house is where's the evidence for that? Mm-hmm. Um, so so there so there is that aspect. I'm I'm just saying, you know, that's an example of where. You sort of have to put your beliefs aside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You've compromised. So, yeah. Well, exactly, you have to. and exactly. And let me let me throw this at you because actually, this is a specific part of Scientology's indoctrination system: is that um, control is ultimately a good thing. Control can be done incredibly badly, which is why it gets a bad rep. Um, you have to learn now i'm not saying any of these things are true by the way i'm telling you scientology indoctrination points Mm -hmm. you have to learn to be controlled before you can control another nothing sinister there and um (laughs) control is necessary because you have to be able to control yourself other people and your environment in order to have any success in life and you also have to be able to control the person in front of you if you're giving them Scientology counseling, which is called auditing, so that they mm. stay in the room, for example, when they're experiencing something unpleasant. You have to make sure they do. 
And if they get up to leave, you have to get up and put them back in the chair and continue the counseling session until you say it's done, not they. Mm -hmm. That's how Scientology processing Uh, is done. So Uh, I'm only putting all this out there. uh, I'm only putting this out there to summarize because it is indoctrinated that control is both necessary and good. And once you buy Mm -hmm. into those things, all these other things become possible. But I do, I do, in a lot of ways, agree with those points. Control is necessary and control is good, but it is all about self-control, right? You need to be able to control yourself. I don't think control of another is good. Um, I, and, and, and again, I have no interest in controlling anyone, and I would say to someone else, you know, they should have no interest in controlling anyone you, else either. But you control your child. Well, I... Well, I don't really control my child to be. But you have picked. You have is a daughter. Yeah, have a certain level. You have with a child. You have to have a certain level of control because they are a child. Exactly. So they they don't have the ability to make uh, good choices or rational choices. Exactly. So under certain circumstances, control the context uh, of which of like a child or. A out of control criminal <laughs> committing a crime, <laughs> or somebody suffering an epileptic seizure. I mean, there's a spectrum here, but all of these are contexts in which control is necessary for another, right? And that's but that's what I said. I, I, yeah. I, I think control is uh, is definitely a good thing. Um, you know, if 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 I don't want to, if I don't wake up uh, and and go to the gym in the morning because I don't want to. Um, then of course that's up to me, but I, but I may, uh, you know, I may suffer various consequences because of that in later life. Right. Um, so we're not we arguing like other the people point. To stop at red lights and things yeah, like that. We're we, not, we're we, not arguing the point that control is good or bad. We're just arguing under which contexts is mm. it good and bad. That's all. That's the only thing we're talking about here. You know, we agree mm. it's, there is good and it is good, but when, where, yeah. right? Why? And for Scientologists, that, <laughs> that, that sphere is broadened quite a bit, you know. Let, let's, let's let Dr. Raven think about that. I just want to finish by asking one, one last thing, and this, yeah. uh, I'll ask this about audio, Pete, as well. I was talking – I mentioned this to Chris the other day, actually. I was uh, talking to some people online uh, who had left – one had left um, – uh, being a Catholic and one had left being Jewish, if you can leave being Jewish, I don't know. And, wow. uh, and I was asking them what were the positive things that they uh, had hung on to because one of the guys was saying, I have this tremendous fear of hell and I don't know how to get it out of my system. I don't, I don't know how to. And so that's something that's clearly been pummeled into him a fair bit. Um, and it's, and the, the Jewish guy said, well, I still don't eat pork. Uh, because I think I believe that's a health issue. So there are things that are drummed into people that um, are going to have, you know, not much of a drama once they move on from their religion or their cult or whatever it is. But what are the the really negative things that are very hard to get out of your system? So Chris, could you could maybe just answer that and, and we'll. Mm, that's a good question. Finally, you asked a good one. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so you want the pros? Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The benefits, the things I walked away with that I'm happy with. Um, some skill at public speaking, um, certainly a very strong work ethic. Um, I, I don't have a problem with working, um, cause I worked a lot. The, yeah. the, the work days there were very, very long. Um, there's sort of an endurance factor, I suppose, that I learned there that I guess I'm happy to have rather than not have. You know, I'm not um, under under dire circumstances or emergency situations. I keep my head and, I, and I'm able to, to, to think through things. You That's, should teach that to us so we can deal with Dr. Raven better. Yeah, so, well, it's 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 sort of a it was sort of a survival skill through trauma through repeated trauma. So okay, then maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let, let me ask you, Chris, because yeah. um, you know Mike never asks full questions or half. Thank you. Yes, but um, but with could you not have gained those things without being uh, being in Scientology? I assume. Oh, yes. absolutely. There's no unique skill that I came out of Scientology with. 
thoughts. I mean, Scientology counseling is useless in the big, broad world. There is no use for it of any of any kind. Scientology's well, methods of teaching are are basic and and ridiculous. So, you know, well, I know well, how to do a lot of things. Right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying yeah. that's what's interesting in all of this. Thing. Yeah, so I can talk about project management skills and communication skills and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely, I could have learned that stuff at Toastmasters or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's what's interesting in, in, in all religion in that, uh, you know, the, the way religions espouse themselves, you know, there, there, is, no, there is nothing special about a, a particular religion that you couldn't have gained by not being in that religion. It doesn't... It, it, that that would be that would be probably one of the strongest selling points of a religion that you could only gain a skill by being in that religion, and and, and yet there is no skill that you can gain in a religion that you that you couldn't gain anywhere else. You're always well, going. Well, I, to be I would argue that one of the skills that Chris would have, and I've seen this because I've I've seen him and others in the uh, Leah Remini series, the Scientology in the aftermath, um, is the skill to help others to either mm. get out of that particular uh, cult okay. or religion. And, and that's a valuable skill in itself. So, that's actually a really good point. Because yeah, I took like, it for like, granted like, for a like long time. Mama, man. Yeah, you're on a roll. Thanks. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. When I got out, I took all this public speaking and communication and all this other stuff for granted. I thought everybody could do this, you know. And then people no, no, were but like, that's actually, but that's no. actually a good point. Um, what, what Mike said, I, I, and I and I'll accept that as a good point because, yeah. uh, you know, I suppose you could gain you could gain that skill by not being in a religion. You you you, but but you would probably have to do like years of study and psychology and whatnot. But by being in the religion and and, and experiencing that cult, then. You've got first-hand experience, and so you you can understand what's going on in a person's mind, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't think I can help someone get out of it, right? I, I wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, beyond calling them an idiot, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> well, I could teach you how to do it. It's not like it's an impossible skill to learn. It's, yeah, yeah. it basically just requires well, a little bit of empathy and the ability and the willingness to listen more than talk. Oh, yes. well, there you go. That's well, so there you go. That's why he fails. Yeah. The, uh, the one one thing I, I have enjoyed from watching that particular series again is it, um, and I'll leave this to the my final question, which was one that my wife wanted me to ask, is that you, you get the impression that both uh, Leah and Mike are very passionate. So uh, Mike Rinder, you guys probably don't know, they're both ex-Scientologists. So, um, and Mike Rinder, Australian. about. Yes, that's right. Uh, both very Who, passionate about Who? helping the. Sorry, who's the person? So the the TV series uh, was uh, from uh, Leah Remini, and her offsider is Mike Rinder, and they were both um, Scientologists. Yeah. Um, Mike Rinder, quite high up, wasn't he? I yeah, believe, Chris, very high up. Um, and <laughs> and so they have had a TV series where they're talking, they're giving stories from people who are in it who were in it, including Chris. He, I saw him in the last episode just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's once you realize you're actually dealing with people, it's very different. You, you can dismiss things. You can wave things off as calling people idiots or whatever it is. But when you hear the actual stories of these people and you think, oh, holy crap, they, you know, these are actual real people who've had their lives crushed in a way, their will crushed, their spirit yep. crushed. And to see the ex members coming out and helping them and trying to help them transition and that's what it is you've got to transition back into real life that's right and sometimes it's not even back into real life it's just into real life exactly um, that that can be such a hard thing yeah. and and you watch it and, and you know my, we'd sit here watching the show and you'd be like oh my god how it's just it's it's impossible to comprehend and as, as co- impossible it is to, to comprehend getting in the getting out part is even harder to, to imagine because then you're looking at it at an actual personal level rather than just a you know a cult yeah. level. Right. I, I yeah. Have you been yeah okay you know good points. You've been I think you've been working hard at asking good questions. And- <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. That wasn't condescending uh, at all. You, you know you've come up with three good ones in the in the one. 
And, and, I, and I'll known, now ruin it. What, 20 <laughs> odd years now? Thank Mike you. Lama. Thank you. Very and, good. and in 20 years, I haven't heard you come up with three good points. <laughs> <Very> good. <laughs> wow. See what I have to deal with here. I um, get it, man. This is an abusive yeah. relationship if I've I, ever heard one. I will, I will end this. We'll end this and we'll say thank you to Chris, but I will end um, just uh, on a, uh, as I said, a personal question yeah. from my wife was, is Leah Remini as nice as she seems? She is exactly <laughs> as she is on the TV show. Yes, Leah is a friend she, of mine, and her, she like, is awesome. She excellent. is awesome. Yeah. Thank you for not. Thank you for not pricking that bubble for me. Yeah. That was excellent. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, Chris. This has been an excellent chat. I've enjoyed every minute. Even Doctor Raven's hot. Angry, stop it. <laughs> she is as well. So that's, that's a nice addition. Um, Yes, thank you to Audio Pete. Thank you to Dr. Raven. No and uh, yeah, I think this no, has been good. It's been good. It's yeah. been good. I feel like um, I, I really feel like we haven't explored this enough to be completely fair, if I'm really saying fair things. Um, <laughs> and I, it would be nice to have Chris back on um, yes. and, uh, and, and maybe, you know, talk about a lot of other things. Uh, the, the, the danger in doing that is that, if we have Chris back on, you know, are we going to go over old ground and, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth? Um, one, one thing I would say is that you should probably subscribe to Chris's YouTube channel. No, nah, look, um, I'm not that. I, not I, you, I, not you, the listener. Because oh. if, you, if you want to find out. <laughs> not you, I, 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 I don't want you I, people I got, subscribing to my channel. So I, got, uh, I, 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 I sort of got a bit confused and I thought all of this was about me. Uh, yes, yeah, so funny about that. <laughs> That's a persistent confusion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to come back, guys. This has been one of the funnest times I've had on somebody else's podcast. Uh, you guys are a blast. I'm I'm really enjoying this. Well, we're we're, we're, we're trying to hit our strides, but you know, it's uh, it'll early, be right? worse next time. <laughs> Guaranteed. I know that we've gone long, and uh, and we need to we need to close up. So, how about we close up with this? One thing I will say is going back to indoctrination in children, yeah. um, it was uh, St. Ignatius of Lo Loyola that actually said, give, me the, give me the boy for seven years and I will give you the man. And a lot of people right. interpret that as being, um, you know, being able to grow children into, into, um, into good men. Uh, but, of course, it is all about indoctrination, yep. right? Right. Give me the boy, and I will indoctrinate him for seven years, after which they will not be able to escape. Saint Ignatius of Loyola. I never met him subscribing to his channel. Okay. And, <laughs> right. and, and, and that goes right back to the 1400s, where with some of my with some of my own ancestors. So, yeah, you know, thanks you for thanks for giving me that quote, right. though. I'm gonna I'm no gonna worries. use that. That's yeah, cool. no, St. Ignatius of Loyola. It oh. actually goes back a little bit further if you look at Aristotle. Aristotle said something very, very similar, mm. but he said something similar. Um, I, I think Aristotle said it more from the from the approach of uh, uh, clear thinking and logic and, and so forth. I mean, there and may have also been some level of things fall faster than the lighter things, so he's not right about everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, right. and, by the way, if we're talking about logic and evidence and so forth, <laughs> There's no evidence that uh, you know that Aristotle even existed. While there's <laughs> plenty of evidence that Ignatius of Loyola did exist. Very so, good. Well, maybe uh, we can maybe yes, we can go for uh, logic and reasoning next time we speak to Chris. That would be there. We go. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. We will see you on the next podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, yep. thank you Audio Pete. Uh, thank you, Michael Lama, and thank you to our special guest, uh, um, thank you, Chris. Chris. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you so much. Um, no like, problem. comment, and subscribe, all of that. See you next time.